ரஹீம் some general aspects which we should be bearing in mind in order to try and progress in deen itself and then in order to progress in deen the path that mashallah many are making an attempt making a an effort to tread the path of suluk which is nothing but the path of trying to acquire the complete deen and shariat within us and get close to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. The various things, different aspects that were discussed yesterday. So a continuation of that same discussion, several different different aspects, whatever Allah ta'ala wills will be discussed now. Allah ta'ala. Our objective, our aspiration, our effort is to gain the muhabbat of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala to gain his love since that is what is the driving force a person who has acquired the muhabbat of Allah ta'ala then everything will fall into place because that muhabbat and love is something that makes a person do whatever has to be done that love and muhabbat is what becomes the means of refraining from anything that will bring the displeasure of the beloved so to the extent that this muhabbat has been acquired to that extent the person will be steadfast on deen and he will keep progressing in deen and to that extent he will stay far away from things allah taala has forbidden so this is the thing that we have been hearing repeatedly in passing or in some detail that this is what we have to make an effort to acquire among the many many things that were discussed till out of the quran sharif tasbihat the nawafil yesterday we discussed about the importance of nawafil that this is something that brings a person very close to allah taala after the farais then to try and also have nawafil in our lives but with all this one very very essential aspect if that is missing then we still very far away that is what allah taala has mentioned in this ayat of the quran sharif allah taala commands nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam that you announce it you say it to them qul in kuntum tuhibbun allah that if you claim to love allah taala if you are truly lovers of allah taala in kuntum tuhibbun allah if you love allah taala every one of us has that claim every person no person will na'uzu billah any mu'min any believer 
No person will ever say, Na'uzubillah, that he doesn't love Allah Ta'ala. Otherwise, no iman. So everyone loves Allah Ta'ala, and that's our claim as well. But then for every claim, there is an evidence, there is proof. person makes a claim, then he is asked to substantiate it. He makes a claim, then he must present evidence for it. So this is a claim also, when a person says, I love Allah Ta'ala, I have Iman, I have Iman, then I love Allah Ta'ala. But then what is going to be the evidence? What is going to be the proof of this? So Allah Ta'ala is giving Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the instruction that he should declare this. In kuntum tuhibboon Allah, fattabi'uni. If you are true and genuine in this claim, then the evidence of that would be that you must now, fattabi'uni, you follow my way. But when you will follow my way, what will be the outcome? You are aspiring to love Allah Ta'ala, let alone you gaining that, that will come, you will go many many steps ahead of that, Allah will love you. Allah Ta'ala is the giver, He is the creator, He is the benefactor, He is the nourisher, He is the sustainer, at every moment He is the one showering down, countless benefits and favors upon us. Allah Ta'ala is totally independent of His makhluk. He doesn't need us at all for one moment. We are totally dependent on Him. So Allah Ta'ala is the beloved and we should be having and acquiring His, his love. His love should be filled in our hearts. But can we imagine Rabbul Alameen, He is saying, Allah. Allah will love you. Allah was totally independent of His creation. He doesn't need anybody. Very often in dunya, when somebody has some kind of muhabbat for someone, very often it has some other motives behind it also. That there is some kind of mutual benefit that is being desired out of it. Allah Ta'ala is totally independent of His entire creation. But yet Allah Ta'ala says that, Allah will love you. Allah will forgive your sins. Now the issue is that on what is this promise coming? This promise is being made on what aspect? It is being made on فَاتَّبِعُونِ That you follow me, follow my way of life. Whose way of life? Rasulullah wasallam. To the extent that the way of Rasulullah wasallam will be followed, to that extent يُحْبِبْكُمُ Allah, Allah Ta'ala loving the person would apply. And this is applicable in every facet of life. And this is something to keep bringing to mind. That at every point that Allah Ta'ala blesses a person to do something in accordance to the way of Rasulullah wasallam, Then that Yuhbibkumullah is becoming applicable to that. A person has, before entering the toilet, he recited the Masnoon Dua. And then he entered the toilet because this is the teaching of Rasulullah that he will enter the toilet with the left foot and then afterwards he will leave the toilet with the right foot and he will read the Masnoon Dua. Now why is he doing all this? He is doing it because this is the teaching and the way of Rasulullah Yuhbibkumullah is applicable at that moment in time that Allah Ta'ala's love is being directed towards him. He is eating, so he is Consciously eating with the right hand, eating from in front of him, taking the name of Allah Ta'ala first, eating in a manner that Nabi Islam has taught, 
Why? Because this is the way of his beloved Rasulullah wasallam. This is the way of Rasulullah wasallam, which is the most perfect way. So now he's doing it consciously with that in mind. That this is the way of my Nabi sallallahu Allah is directed at that time towards him. Allah Ta'ala loves him. Every amal that he is doing in his salah, from beginning to end, but provided he is doing it consciously in the sunnah manner. He has raised his hands, but now he is conscious that are my fingers the way it is supposed to be in the sunnah manner. That at the time of takbir at tahrima, the fingers must be in the natural position, and then in line with the ears. He has done that consciously in ittiba of Rasulullah because the various ahadith, the sum total of it comes, that this is how it should, should be done. So that moment in time, Yuhbib Kumullah is being directed to him. He starts off his salah by reciting sana. Unfortunately, many a times that sana gets omitted. It's, well, it's sunnah. It's sunnah. One is that it's not farz and wajib. Indeed, it's not farz and wajib. But sunnah is a tremendously great thing. Can we imagine in the light of this ayat of the Qur'an Sharif? Yuhbib kumullah. He's reciting that sana because this is the teaching of Rasulullah This is what he taught us. This is what he recited. So now this is an occasion now again that that yuhbib kumullah is being directed towards him. He's making ruku correctly in the sunnah manner. He's making that qoma properly. He's making sajda in the proper manner. He's sitting in qada in the proper manner. He's got his feet correctly placed with his toes of the right foot facing the qibla raised, sitting on the left foot. Now each of these aspects, making salam in the correct manner, this is just some examples we are taking, but on each of these aspects, his dressing, his appearance, his, how he conducts his day from morning till evening, and very often this is where we confine sunnah to. Whereas all these are very great sunnahs. There is no such thing as a small sunnah. Sunnah might be that there is some easy sunnah comparatively. Yes, there are some sunnahs which are very easy. And some sunnahs are so easy that everybody very, very greatly and very enthusiastically wants to practice on it. Like for example, the question keeps on coming, that is it sunnah to eat something sweet before or in the end? Now because very enthusiastic that I must do it correctly. Because now what is, what is sunnah to eat? The sweet thing before or after? So somebody came out with something better. He says, well, rather be safe both sides, have it before and after. <laughs> so there it comes now, mashallah, every person. Whereas, generally, the meal of Nabi Wasallam there was just one thing. Whatever it was, it was it. Most of the time, that was it. There wasn't any variety. That was it. But in any case, some sunnahs, mashallah, very simple to apply. Some sunnahs might require a little bit more effort. But regardless of how simple and easy it might be, or regardless of what degree of effort it might require, there is no such thing as a small sunnah. Small in the sense that may be easy, okay, that if that's the context in which the word small is used, that very easy, well and good. But the small, the connotation that comes that it is not very great, na'uzubillah, there is no such thing as a small sunnah. Every sunnah is very great. So now the person who is applying all these sunnahs, mashallah, every sunnah is very great. 
But very often we confine sunnat only to these aspects. Whereas all these are very great sunnats. But there are sunnats beyond this also. Sunnats beyond this as well. Once Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam addressed Hazrat Anas radiallahu ta'ala and it appears that this was like a private address because he's addressing him directly and he's addressing him with great love and affection and he's addressing Hazrat Anas in the words Ya Bunayya Oh my beloved son Can we imagine what must have gone through the heart of Hazrat Anas radiallahu ta'ala at that time when Rasulullah is saying to him, Oh my beloved son, the whole world could be one side, and just this statement and this address from Rasulullah to him, that Oh my beloved son, that whole world would have meant nothing to him. So in any case, Nabi Islam addresses him with such affection, such muhabbat, and says to him, Ya, ya Bunayya, In qadarta an tusbiha wa tumsiya, وَلَيْسَ فِي قَلْبِكَ غِشٌ لِأَحَدٍ فَفْعَلْ The sum total of this is that keep your heart completely clean of malice. The literal translation of this portion of the Hadith Sharif apparently is like a kind of conditional clause that if it is possible for you to do this then keep your heart clean. It's not a conditional clause in the sense of what is being said, that is the expression how it is presented but the result of this is and what is meant by it is that look do this at every cost that in qadarta and tusbiha wa tumsiya whether morning or evening keep your heart clean of malice keep your heart completely clean towards everybody وَلَيْسَ فِي قَلْبِكَ غِشٌ لِأَحَدٍ and then what Nabi Islam says فَإِنَّ ذَٰلِكَ مِنْ سُنَّتِي Because that is my sunnat. That is how I keep my heart. That is how I keep my heart completely clean of any malice for anyone. Dunya is dunya. Things do happen. We do get upset sometimes. And our deen is a deen of fitrat. It is completely in harmony with human nature. There is nothing in our deen that has not taken into account human nature. After Allah Ta'ala created us, Allah Ta'ala gave us deen. So even this aspect has been taken care of. That yes, this insan has been created with emotions, he's been created with some kind of feelings. Sometimes something might happen, he might get upset. So Shariat gave him even up to three days to get over his emotions. But then, فَإِنَّ ذَٰلِكَ مِنْ سُنَّتِي Keep the heart clean of malice. Nabi Islam says, because that is part of my sunnah. That is my way of life. And further Nabi Islam says, وَمَنْ أَحَبَّ سُنَّتِي كَانَ مَعِي فِي الْجَنَّةِ The one who will love my sunnah. If he loves it, what he'll do? He'll love it and then abandon it. If he loves it, he'll practice on it. If he loves it, he'll embrace it. If he loves it, he will practice on it and pass it on to others also. The one who loves my sunnah will be with me in Jannah. So who loves the sunnah will practice on the sunnah. It is not just a something intellectual, just an, a concept that he loves the sunnah and therefore he's got this promise. 
he loves the sunnah, he'll be living the sunnah. He loves the sunnah, he'll be embracing the sunnah. He loves the sunnah, he'll be abandoning the ways of Yahud and Nasara. Man ahabba sunnati kana ma'i fil jannah. He will be with me in jannah. Now, this is a promise on sunnat. What sunnat? Sunnat of the heart. Keeping the heart clean of all malice. Keeping the heart clean of all these negatives and whatever else creeps in. After all, we are living in dunya and it's not that this won't happen. It will happen. From time to time, the heart will get soiled with some of these things. But the person who is concerned, who wants to get safely across, who wants to gain this love of Allah Ta'ala, at that time when he's clearing his heart out, he's letting things go. Yuhbibkum Allah is very greatly directed towards him. Because why is he letting it go? Why is he cleaning his heart? Because this is the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa He is cleaning his heart because he wants to emulate the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So why will this not apply to him? Yuhbibkum Allah. Allah ta'ala will love you. So this is also a sunnah and a very, very great sunnah. So just as we have to be making an effort to bringing in and inculcating all the day-to-day sunnahs, the sunnahs of eating, sunnahs of drinking, sunnahs of clothing, sunnahs of appearance, sunnahs of all other day-to-day aspects, the inner sunnahs, sunnahs of our hearts, keeping our heart clean of malice, this is also extremely important sunnah. And especially those of us who are now aspiring to try and rectify ourselves, this is everybody's aspiration, this is not something that pertains to anybody in particular, because to make islah of ourselves is farz. There's not an optional thing. Because what does islah mean? Islah simply means that to inculcate all the good and noble qualities in one, which includes iman, taqwa, yaqeen, tawakkul, toba, sabr, qanaat, all these qualities, these are essential qualities of iman. It's all compulsory. And it means taking out takabbur, pride, taking out hasad and jealousy, and malice, and taking out the love of dunya, and the love of the ego, and greed. So all these are first to take out. It's not something that, okay, it's an option. So Islam is for us. On this level, it's for us. So this is for every mu'min. So we are all aspiring to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. We are all aspiring to cleanse our hearts out, to become the true servants of Allah Ta'ala, to achieve and to become the, those who Allah Ta'ala loves. So for that, this is something absolutely necessary, that we make this a part of our daily checkup. Is my heart now clean? That muhasaba that we discussed one of the nights, at the end of the day to surround and take an account of ourselves, what we did for the day, to also check what's in my heart. Is my heart clean? Yes, something crept in, something happened, we insan, but now let me, let me clean my heart. If there's something to follow up tomorrow, we'll follow it up, but let me clean my heart. We've discussed this incident many times of how clean the hearts of the Sahaba were despite disagreements. Disagreement is one thing and the heart being clean, these two things can go hand in hand. Provided that this, that this agreement is based on ikhlas and it's based on taqwa. So the disagreement can still happen. But if it's based on ikhlas and taqwa, it's not based on personal things. It's not based on just a person's emotions, 
or based on his personal agendas or whatever. It's based on ikhlas and taqwa, disagreement can still happen. But despite that, the heart can still be clean, provided the person wants to keep it clean. The incident we discussed many times, where there was at one time a battle that took place, and on both sides were sahaba. But, now we, many times, this is something presented in a manner to try, nauzubillah, uh, run down the Sahaba Ikram. But the lesson we got to take from here is Allah Ta'ala made some of these things happen to give us these lessons. That despite there have been such a serious difference at one time, that this party regarded this to be haq, and they said we will give our lives for this. And the other party thought, and in the light of ilm, in the light of their understanding, this is haq, we are ready to give our lives for this. One Sahabi, and it is mentioned that it was Hazrat Buhrira radiallahu ta'ala when there was a lull and it was time for eating, he was on one side, he would cross the lines and go the other side and join them on the Dastarkhan, join them for their meals. And then after having eaten, he would come back. Now this is one of the strangest things that a person can see. It's a war. Somebody crosses the, he's fighting on one side, but he crosses the line to go and eat on the other side. And nobody stopping him from coming. Nobody is... But one person finally asked, this is very strange. You are on that side, but you eat on this side. So he says and replies, that I regard them to be on the... on what is right. This side I regard them having erred. So I am supporting what I believe is right. But the food is better this side. The food is better this side, so I come and eat here. But the lesson in this, that he's coming to eat here, nobody stopped him from coming here. Nobody said to him, Nawazubillah, what kind of namak haram you are, what? You fight on that side, you come and join us to eat. Welcome, come eat. And the other side also didn't ask him, what's going on here? You're eating their food and you come and sitting with us here. But wait, how can this happen? This can only happen when the hearts are totally clean. When the hearts are clear, when the hearts are linked to Allah Ta'ala, when there isn't personal motivations, the motivation is the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. So this is the sunnah of Rasulullah Wasallam, the sunnah of keeping the heart clean. So the aspect we are discussing is ittiba'i sunnah. And this is something extremely important. In fact, this path of trying to get close to Allah Ta'ala and achieve his muhabbat, ittiba'i sunnat is the shortcut to get there. That a person who fully embraces the sunnah of Rasulullah and practices on the sunnah, and he is very adherent to the sunnah of Rasulullah this is the shortcut to get there. But it requires that conscious fulfillment of the sunnah of Rasulullah Bringing to mind each time, Yuhbibkumullah is now applicable. With the tawfiq of Allah, I've done this. This Yuhbibkumullah is now applicable to me. And to keep building that, to the point that we start loving Allah Ta'ala more than anything and everything else. So this is something that we have to inculcate. And to the extent that we have inculcated the love of Rasulullah in our hearts, to that extent will the ittiba of sunnah become part of our lives. The love of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 
This is a precondition for Iman. If there's no love for Nabi Sallallahu there can be no Iman. Because if there's no love, what will be in his place? So the basic love, that is a condition of Iman. But then the perfection of that love and the kamal of that love is that a person then loves Nabi Sallallahu beyond anything and everything. Beyond anyone and everyone. And this is the Hadith Sharif where Nabi Sallallahu says, La yu'minu ahadukum hatta akuna ahabba ilayhi. That you are not a complete and perfect believer. The perfection of Iman hasn't come. Until I become more beloved to you than your parents, your children and everybody else. More beloved than everyone. And the Sahaba, they demonstrated this. That how can this be a reality? There are so many incidents in this regard. But that one incident is sufficient for us to understand. Where after one battle, after the battle of Uhud, where the rumor had spread that Nabi Wasallam has been made shaheed. And this rumor came to Madinah Manowara as well. So everybody was extremely worried because they didn't have any verification of is this correct or is this a rumor. Until finally now everybody is returning. So this one lady also comes out to now inquire. And she's only concerned how is Rasulullah So now somebody, as now she's asking and inquiring, somebody says to her, your son has been martyred. She says, but how is Rasulullah The next person is informing her, your brother has been martyred. Your husband has been martyred. Your father has been martyred. Her only one question is, how is Rasulullah Eventually somebody tells her, Nabi Wasallam is fine, he's safe, he's fine, no problem. And then she sees Nabi Wasallam spontaneously the, state, the words that come out from her is, Kullu musibatin ba'daka jalalu. After seeing you well and sound, every calamity and difficulty is nothing. Everything else I can bear, that is nothing. This was the thing that was greatest to them and this love was greatest in their hearts, the love of Rasulullah <coughs> Because this love was so intense in their hearts, they were able to follow in the footsteps of Rasulullah very, very closely, beyond our imagination. Abdullah bin Mas'ud he's outside the masjid, still coming. And at that time, Nabi Wasallam instructed the Sahaba who were inside, that sit down, because he wanted to address them. They were standing, so he said, sit down. So it's obvious this address was to those inside. Abdullah bin Mas'ud, a person of his intelligence, a person of his understanding, he obviously understood that also. It's not possible that he didn't understand that. But that voice reached his ears also outside. That Nabi Islam said, sit down. It was not possible for him to take one step further. He sat down right there. Until Nabi Islam saw him and called him in. Because he said, it was not possible for me to take another step after hearing your voice saying, sit down. Abdullah bin Umar he is traveling, coming for Umrah or Hajj. And en route at some point he stops. And then he goes under some tree and he sits for a short while and comes up, comes back. But he noticed that he didn't have any, he didn't go to relieve himself or anything. They asked him, what did you do? He says, no, this was the point and this was the place when we were traveling with Rasulullah He stopped here and went under this tree to go and relieve himself. I didn't have any need. 
but to just emulate this action. I also stopped to do it. This was that zeal that I must try and do the utmost in emulating Rasulullah So now that applies in all our aspects of life. It applies in our eating, in our drinking, it applies in all the various things. It applies in our muasharat as well. Our social life. How we interact with people. How we deal with our parents. There too is the guidelines of Rasulullah How we deal with our spouses. That too is a glaring example of how Rasulullah dealt with his wives. And there's such detail about this. There's so many aspects mentioned in the ahadith. Nabi Aisha Siddiqa explains that I would be eating together with Nabi and if I had taken a morsel of food taken a bite from a morsel of food and I then kept the balance down, the rest of it down, Nabi Salaam would pick it up and eat out of that, from that point where I had taken a bite out of it. What was this? Would that change the taste of the food in any way? It won't change the taste of the food, but it will change the taste of the heart. It will change the sweetness of the heart. Nabi Salaam did this deliberately to bring happiness. If I drank out of a utensil and I kept it down, Nabi Islam would turn it around to drink from the spot that I drank out of. For what? For that consideration, to bring happiness to the hearts. Now, this is a sunnah of Nabi Islam. And he gave the virtue of this that after the faraiz, isn't an ibadat greater than idhalus sururi fi qalbil mu'min? Bringing happiness to the heart of a mu'min. But unfortunately, we do this. We do it, but unfortunately we do it for people who are somewhat distant from us. We should do it for everyone. But we do it for people who are distant to us, from us. And we forget about doing it or neglect to do it to those who are closest to us, to those who have the greatest rights above us. There's nobody who has greater rights above us than our parents. Do we take the effort to make them happy? Regardless of whatever the situation is. Regardless of whatever the situation may be. But that's our responsibility. To make their hearts happy. Do we do it? With this near, that this is among the greatest ibadats after the faraiz. Among the greatest ibadats after the faraiz. Idkhalu sururi fi qalbil mu'min. To bring happiness to that spouse. Do we do it? Or we just take it for granted. Everything must just carry on. And anything goes wrong, then beware. But to bring some happiness to the heart, with some words of, some acknowledgement, some words of gratitude, sometimes some words of praise on whatever was done, the effort that was taken to prepare that meal, and then to present it so nicely for us, to acknowledge it. Everything just gets taken for granted. It's a duty, since when it became a duty. That is a hasan. But we forget about these teachings. So yes, every sunnat must be given its due importance. We need to embrace every sunnat. But these are also very great teachings of Rasulullah mu'min. And for this, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi we should take pains to bring happiness to others. We discussed that hadith one or two nights ago. Miswar bin Makhrama radiallahu ta'ala his father and 
he came to ask for that. He was a person who had some little bit, little bit of a hard person because now he was an elderly person, grew up in that manner. And then Islam came to him. Nabi Islam kept that one garment aside. And when he came, he brings it forward to him. And showing him that special button also, that gold button. Khaba'atu laka hada. Khaba'atu laka. I kept this aside for you. Why is he saying this? Bring happiness to him. I was given this consideration. Now this too is a sunnah. Person who wants to become close to Allah wa ta'ala, he will apply all these sunnahs also. He'll be conscious of all this. He will be trying to emulate Nabi Islam in all these aspects of life. And this is unfortunately that branch of deen which is neglected most. The branch of akhlaq, of mu'asharat. These are things taken for granted. Just carries on. Whereas this is the aspect which either by means of this a person will get closer to Allah Ta'ala beyond all the nawafil or due to lacking in this he can lose his rewards also. Because he lacks in this he'll end up oppressing somebody, hurting somebody causing taklif to somebody whether it is physical taklif emotional taklif this too is a major taklif we cause to people in how we conduct ourselves. We give them emotional Pain. Now that pain, is that the way Nabi Islam taught us? Yes, sometimes there's some difficult, some issues, whatever else, that needs to be attended to, sorted out, then we need to keep on to that track. We need to keep on to that track of continuing to bring happiness to others. Continuing to bring peace to them. Continuing to bring comfort to everyone. To bring idkhalu sururi fi qalbil mu'min. Bringing happiness to the heart of the mu'min. So any case, this is one of the aspects that was wished to discuss. Time is already running out. But another one point, which is not now directly related to this topic that we are talking about. But earlier today, after Asar in the discussion, one very important point came up. Was that Yusuf when he was in that situation, where he is now being called towards sin. So what was his immediate reaction? That he sought Allah Ta'ala's protection. That a person never relies on himself, on his ability, on his piety, on his doing, I can do this, or I am safe, or I am immune. Never. We rely on Allah Ta'ala alone. We rely on Allah Ta'ala to protect us as well. Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jailani, such a great personality, such a great saint, Imamul Awliya, once he spent a long time in solitude, making the ibadat of Allah Ta'ala and undertaking a lot of mujahada. After this very lengthy period of solitude and mujahada, and that mujahada that they would make, we can't imagine. Any case, after this period had passed, suddenly now, when he now came out of that solitude, suddenly there's a huge light that appears, very, very bright, sparkling. And there's a voice that comes from that light. That, oh Abdul Qadir, you have pleased me so much. I am now making all the obligations of deen and everything about deen maaf for you. You are not responsible for any of the commands. So as soon as he heard this, he immediately responded that shaitan, mardud, get away from here. Because he immediately thought to himself, that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 
in the last moments of life also, Salah didn't become maaf for him. Who could be closer to Allah than Nabi Wasallam? But even in that last moments of life too, he performed his Salah, despite falling unconscious so many times, he's waking up, taking a ghusl, and finally again, after so many attempts, performing that Salah, he didn't leave one Salah till the end, everything becomes maaf for me, who am I? This is shaitan. So he immediately said this, and this whole brightness and all just turned into some darkness. So then shaitan now said, yes, I am shaitan. And then he said that that height of spirituality that you are on currently, after all this effort you have made, that height of spirituality on which you have reached, over time, there were 70 people that reached that spirituality and I dropped them. That height and that peak of spirituality that you have reached, that ruhaniyat that you have reached, over time 70 people had reached that level and I dropped them. And then he said that today your knowledge saved you. And indeed knowledge is a very great wealth. In the light of knowledge a person can distinguish what is right and wrong. If he doesn't have the knowledge, he'll be wallowing in ignorance and thinking he's doing something good. He'll be doing something completely out of line and he'll be thinking he's doing something very great. So knowledge is indeed a very great wealth. But when Shaitan said this, he immediately responded again. My knowledge hasn't saved me. It's Allah Ta'ala's grace that has saved me. So on this too, Shaitan responded, that was my last attack. That too was my attack. That if you slipped up in this too, I would have dropped you. That in that moment also, if you also thought in that way, that yes, my knowledge saved me, you would have fallen too. Now can we imagine people of that caliber, but yet, and despite all those efforts, that mujahada, that proximity to Allah Ta'ala that they had gained, but their reliance on Allah Ta'ala alone, not on anything of themselves. I am nobody, I am nothing. So similarly, mashallah now, we had this tawfiq of etikaf in this month of Ramadan, some tawfiq has come, something has come in the heart, some betterment has come in our lives. Now this is not something to be regarded as our achievement. We walk out of here, we go home, now we want to start straightening everybody out overnight and we want to now continue and conduct ourselves in a way that now I am somebody and feel we have achieved something as soon as this Ujb comes, a person starts looking at himself as somebody good. Then this is the moment of decline. But if he keeps regarding himself as nothing, as nobody, and all this is purely the grace of Allah Ta'ala. Something to make shukar for, definitely. Some betterment has come, Allah Ta'ala has blessed. This is a ni'mad, the big ni'mad. So it's something to make shukar on. And must make a lot of shukar for it. But together with that shukar, one must be always conscious that this is purely Allah Ta'ala's gift without me deserving one fraction of it. So my achievement, Allah Ta'ala's gift, and I didn't even deserve anything. Without me deserving anything, Allah Ta'ala has blessed it. So therefore I must be entirely grateful to Allah Ta'ala for all His bounties and ni'mads, never to become proud over anything, never to regard ourselves as better than anybody. If something is being done which is wrong, that is wrong. But despite that person doing something wrong, his wrong action is wrong, he is still better than us. Despite whatever might be on the external side, we don't know what's the end result. Whose end result, we don't know. 
what that person, how he might make Toba, what sincere Toba he might make, what might be his progress tomorrow, we have no idea. How can we make that judgment about somebody's end result? The judgment on the action, Allah Ta'ala made already. That that action is wrong, it's haram, it's haram. Something is wrong, is wrong. Can't say something is wrong, is right. That is a misconception that don't pass judgment on somebody. If he's doing something wrong, don't pass judgment on his action. His action is wrong, is wrong. But don't pass judgment on his end results. Don't pass judgment on yourself that you are better than him. We got no basis for that. That is Allah Ta'ala knows only who's better. So in any case, these are some of the things that we now need to reflect upon. The lesson of tonight was mainly this aspect of ittiba'i sunnat. And to keep focusing on this ayat of the Qur'an Sharif. Every time we are blessed with the tawfiq of every sunnat, from the time we wake up. We wake up and to become, to learn these sunnats. Ya mashallah, many, many beautiful little kitabs. One of the kitabs of our Hazrat What a wonderful and beautiful name also. The beautiful sunnats of the beloved Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That's the English translation of it. And there are many sunnats from morning till evening, all the sunnats that need to be applied. So very concisely presented. We try to acquire a copy of that. One sunnat we learn per week and try to apply it. Over the year it will be over 50 sunnats. Some are so simple, so easy, we can learn several in one day. But the main thing is to start applying them. And this will bring barakah, this will bring the noor in that home. This will bring that noor in our lives. The darkness that we want to keep dispelling by chasing the darkness with words that won't happen. Bring light on. One simple candle is lit so much of the darkness is gone. One floodlight is put on, all the darkness is gone. Let us bring the floodlights of sunnat alive in our lives. This will bring that nur in our homes, that nur in our lives, and this will bring that peace and sukoon, that tranquility, and most of all, this will gain us the muhabbat of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala accept all the efforts that we made. Allah knows best whether this is the last sitting we'll have tonight in terms of this etikaf, or whether there might be another sitting tomorrow or not, Allah knows best, but perhaps this might be the last night of Ramadan, if the moon is sighted tomorrow. So, this is something that, whatever was discussed over all these nights, this is something now for us to take along. This was the objective. It's not, these discussions are not for the sake of just discussing something. I'm most in need of all these things. So it's for me also to take it along, for all of us to take it along, to reflect upon it, and to try and bring these things into our life. Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِ Allahumma <laughs> 
جز اللہ نبینا محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم بما ہوا اہل
اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله يا رب صلي وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم وعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم اللهم إن قلوبنا ونواصينا وجوارحنا بيدك لم تملكنا منها شيئا فإذا فعلت ذلك بنا فكن أنت ولينا وهدنا إلى سواء السبيل ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلناها للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم اهدنا واهد بنا وجعلنا سببا لمن اهتدى اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم اهد الناس جميعا اللهم اجعلنا هداة مهتدين غير ضالين ولا مضلين اللهم ألف بين قلوبنا اللهم ألف بين قلوبنا اللهم ألف بين قلوبنا وأصلح ذات بيننا واهدنا سبل السلام ونجنا من الظلمات إلى النور وجنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن وبارك لنا في أسماعنا وأبصارنا وقلوبنا وأزواجنا وذرياتنا وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وجعلنا شاكرين لنعمتك مثنين بها قابليها وأتمها علينا اللهم إنا نسألك تمام العافية اللهم إنا نسألك الدوام العافية اللهم إنا نسألك الشكر على العافية ربنا لا تآخذنا إن نسينا وأخطأنا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إصرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به وعف عنا واخف لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين اللهم آتي نفوسنا تقواها اللهم آتي نفوسنا تقواها اللهم آتي نفوسنا تقواها وزكها أنت خير من زكاها أنت وليها ومولاها اللهم اهدنا لأحسن الأخلاق لا يهدي لأحسنها إلا أنت واصرف عنا سيئها لا يصرف عنا سيئها إلا أنت اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وأصحابه جمعين والحمد لله